What is up and welcome to another episode of Think Like Me or Don't, the only podcast on the internet that gives you the exclusive choice to listen to everything that I say and believe everything that I say or not. That's actually not true. All podcasts give you that choice. I just put it in the title. This episode is unique and special for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am recording this and I will be releasing this on the day that is the anniversary of my becoming a human life form, aka my birthday, is today. Uh, and I'm just recording this and some some final sections of the podcast today. Um, it's also unique because I recorded the entire thing on my phone, which is new, uh, which is probably why you can hear things going on around me and behind me. And the last thing is that it's recorded in sections. So historically, the podcast has been recorded all at once, but this one has been recorded in little segments over the course of this last week. Um, actually, the last seven days, almost exactly. So uh, anyway, without further ado, I'll uh, stop my yapping and turn it over to me earlier this week. <laughs> uh, we took a trip to um, Julian and Ramona last weekend, and uh, I had a chance to record some things that I was thinking about, and so we'll just go and listen to that now. Peace. Hey, what's up? So I'm up in Ramona, California. That's the uh, sound of Ramona dust you hear under my feet. Out walking the dog. Um, I've just been having this interesting thought. I'm reading a book called Anti-Fragile, which just basically talks about, well, that's a very dense book. It's kind of hard to to read, but it's an incredible read, and the guy's hilarious, uh, as hilarious as you can be about economics and stuff like that, so, but there's a point in it where he talks about, um, he talks about business, and I, you know, you, you, I think you tend to see yourself in everything that you read or everything that you look at, and I, this was like a tiny, like two pages in a 500 page book, um, where he's talking about business and how, um, well, he's actually talking about employment more than business, but he talks about how you, a lot of times in society, we think of having a job as having job security. And being a freelancer, artisan, craftsman, etc., designer, as kind of being less secure. And I've always kind of thought about what I do as a freelancer, as a consultant. He actually, as a side note, he actually makes a specific point to talk about how consultants are the worst. (laughs) It's actually really funny the way he says it. But I've actually thought about consulting what I do as being fairly volatile, you know, not really being very secure, not really having a lot of security. But interestingly enough, I think I've, he makes an interesting point that like has kind of changed my mind about that. Um, Because he, what he says is, if you, 
if you compare like two different people, he, he, he tells the story, uses an anecdote to twin brothers. One um, is a, uh, he works in the personnel department of a bank in London, and the other is a cab driver. And he basically says, at the end of the year, they end up making the same amount of money, but the, the fact that the brother that's the cab driver has a lot of smaller clients, and the brother that's the, that's the job has essentially one client, which is his employer, actually makes the, the banker, the banker's job is more volatile because it's a lot easier for him to screw up or piss somebody off or do something wrong. Uh, or the banking system could collapse or they need to downsize or whatever, things that are outside of his control. Um, and he could lose his job, like, all at once. Whereas for the cab driver, like, part of it's the fact that it's cab driving. So there's a fairly unlimited supply um, of customers. And he has an unlimited supply of the product, which is his taxi, which is a weird way of putting it. But, um, but because of that, he has a lot of customers that he's dealing with. No one customer can put him out of a job. So no matter how terrible a particular ride is, or no matter how bad a particular day is, um, over the course of the year, he's still going to end up in the same spot as his brother, who is always sort of dangling on the precipice of, like, failure. And I think the point that he makes that I liked the most was, and this is specific to um, cab driving, obviously, but he says, uh, cab drivers sometimes keep driving into their 80s. Like, there's no real limit. He can, he can keep driving a cab as long as he wants. Uh, whereas the banker, if he were to lose his job, like, you can't get a job as a banker in your 50s. It's kind of unheard of. So it's just interesting for me to kind of rethink my own thoughts about like my business, my consulting, because I've had this sort of negative viewpoint that I need to create something that's more scalable, when in reality, maybe I don't. I don't know. I want to talk a little bit more about it, but we'll do that in the next segment. In this next segment, uh, I'm still in Ramona, and I sort of wax poetic here at the beginning talking about uh, the beauty of Ramona in the morning, and uh, talk a little bit about, the main point of it is talking about how sometimes the recovery is more important than the training itself, and I kind of compare it to business and some other things, so check it out. There's something so serene about the quiet of the morning. I've always actually been interested in 
California mornings specifically because I think as a whole, California is more of a nighttime state. Can you hear that? I've never seen that before. That's I'm literally watching a woodpecker peck at a at a palm tree branch. Never seen that before. Obviously, you combine that with the sound of the birds and the rooster over there. It makes for a very interesting, unique experience. Morning. That was our Airbnb host. I'm just coming over to say hi. The interesting thing I think is that this this weekend has been about forcing my mind to slow down. And it's given me an interesting bit of insight into the way that my mind th works because I had a couple of ideas and I'm like a idea to implementation as fast as possible kind of person. So anytime I have an idea that I think has legs, my first thought is drop everything I'm doing and go execute, like try and go do it. And, um, like for the most part, I've seen that be successful, right? Some of my, some of my coolest ideas and the coolest things that I've done have come because I just went and did it. And I think that's a, on the whole, that's a, a strength that I have. But I also kind of think I've, I've just gained some insight into a part of me that I never really understood, which is, um, because I don't have like a mental connection with my own longevity, I'll just hear me out here and you'll, I think I'll be able to explain what I mean here because I don't really have a connection with the longevity aspect of what I can do. I tend to burn myself out. And if I look back I notice that I have a tendency to be very intense and focused on one thing at a time. But I can never maintain focus on that one thing for longer than, I mean, the longest I've been able to maintain focus on one thing is, you know, four or five months. Before, everything that I do becomes about finding ways to escape that thing, right? Finding ways to get out of having to do that and get into something else. And, um, you know, I think part of that has been at the root cause of some of the, some of my unemployability that I've talked about. And I think I've used the fact that I'm unemployable kind of as an excuse, but I, at the same time, I, I mean, I think naturally I'm not, I'm, I'm not really looking back with regret because I, I, I would much rather be in charge of my own thing. But interestingly enough, um, 
the downside of being so quick to implement and so good at implementing quickly, which are two different things, by the way. Quick to implement and good at implementing quickly are two different things. Um, but they happen to be strengths of mine, both of them, which is, which I'm now realizing has proven to be a bit of a dangerous combination because if, because my current project, whatever it is, regardless of how excited about it I was when I started, it's always in danger of the next big idea, right? Because I'm ADD probably and just need something new, something stimulating. But I think the interesting thing is I'm starting to realize, like like I said, to bring this full circle, coming up here for this weekend has given me a little bit of a different approach, if that makes sense. Because I think I've realized that you can have ideas and you can write them down. And in fact, I think really what I need to get better at is a system for prioritizing my own um, ideas. So being very good at documenting and then putting them into a place where I can come back to them when I get around to it. Because I think although there's a couple of pieces of this, because first of all, I think although there is value in speed of implementation, sometimes uh, the heat of the moment of coming up with the idea, I know this happens to me, it blinds me to the potential pitfalls of the idea. So I tend to rush into things blindly because I'm always about the next big thing and I just figure I'll just handle obstacles as they come. But the problem is sometimes the obstacles are more formidable than I was expecting. And what I anticipated would be a 15-minute thing turns into a 12-hour thing. This happens all the time when I think, what is it? <laughs> this happens especially when I get into like web development because I know just enough about web development to know generally what's possible. Um, and I've been able to do things enough to where I can, I'll get started thinking that it's going to be a lot easier than it is. So it's like a little bit of JavaScript code that's supposed to make a web page perform a little bit better. And in theory, in my head, it's simple, it's easy, and I can just look it up and then go do it. But in practice, it turns out to be, it turns out to take me my entire day into the night and into the early, the, the wee hours of the morning. And this happens with a lot of things. And so part of the issue, I think, with my speed, my, my quickness to go and execute on a new idea is that I'm, I'm not very good at estimating the actual cost, like the time cost. Um, yes? Oh. Hey, bud. Wick's coming out to join me. Um, the other thing that's, I think, a bit of a problem is what I mentioned first, which is the burnout. And I think, as annoying as it is, I think I might be have finally uncovered like the the tip of really what is the iceberg of my uh of like the burnout that part of me <sighs> because 
um, I, I did not learn at an early age how to temper my work. Like, and this is not to fault anyone. I'm just saying this was never something that was part of my formal or informal education. The idea that like, you, you have to, you have to balance like like work life balance is never something that I've been any good at, and to be fair to me, uh, it's not something that any of my family members are good at either. So I think it's probably it probably was part of my unintended informal education that when there's work to be done, you do it, and your mind that's where your mind is at all times. And I I know I've seen, and again not to not to fault anyone in my family, I, I look up to my my dad and my brothers and my sisters and my mom, but there's no off switch. And I think they are driven a lot more by a sense of duty, which is something that I have a philosophical problem with (laughs) the idea of acting on a sense of duty. Um, but I think the key is that I have never been able to say, you need to take a break. Like I can't say that to myself. I'm see, it's easy for me to say it to other people, but never really been able to say to myself, okay, yes, there's more to be done. And yes, you could do it today and you could do it right now, but you need to take a break because if you don't take a break today and then again tomorrow and the next day, within about two weeks, you're going to be in full on burnout mode and you're not going to want to do anything. And that's actually what happens. So I'll go, I'll go hard for a week and a half and we're talking 12 hour days and I'm happy to do it. But then at the end of those 12 hour days, at the end of that week and a half, you know, uh, I'll have three or four days where I just have no motivation to do anything. So I'll kind of like sleep in and kind of dink around on the computer and not really do anything at that point. And a lot of times those moments are somewhat crucial moments. And, you know, the time goes by the wayside. Whereas I think if if I was to take uh, to take stock and on a more regular basis keep myself accountable to um, other areas and just feed the other parts of my life, right? Like make, give myself space to go in to the gym and train and give myself space to go and spend time and, you know, spend more time with the dog and with Sue, you know, like I, I think I spend a lot of time with both of them, but, but I think the intention, my mind is always in business. And if I can, I think the, the, what I'm, what I'm thinking is that if I spend more time trying to create balance as opposed to trying to um, accept the desire for balance, if that makes sense. I think really I've just been too passive about trying to create the balance. And um, really I need to make an effort to say, this is the time when I as a person can put towards this thing. And this is the time that I can, and I need to make sure that I, put time into all those things because just as important as the time engaged in the activity is the time resting, right? It's like training. You don't get any better if you're training all day, every day. You get better in the recovery and in relationships, you know what I mean? And in work and everything that you do. So I think I I get that in my head because I've been training for a long time and I get that the recovery is where the improvement happens. And I, I know as well from back when I was a a piano student that sometimes the the biggest leaps in my improvement in a particular piece or in a particular fingering or whatever 
was when I would take some time off. So I would practice, 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 practice. And then if I didn't touch the piano for a week, when I came back to it, it would be natural. And it's because like my mind could feel all those things out. And same thing happens with training. Like just now, I had three fights earlier this year, back to back to back. And I didn't feel like I improved that much in my technique and in my ability to do certain things during those camps because it was very intense, like keeping my cardio up and training really hard. But after, I took about a month essentially off. And in the time that I took off, I found myself able to do things that I couldn't do before. And I found myself seeing things that I couldn't see before. And I, I feel like I got better. Of course, then I rode that into, now this is the second month off and <laughs> second and third month off. So now I'm kind of starting to develop a little bit, a little bit of a punch again. But, but I think that's, I think that's important. So I think that's probably going to be the, the new, uh, order of the day is forcing myself to, to make time and, and as important as doing the stuff that's going to build the business and move things forward is the time away from it. So just kind of an interesting thought. And now I got to get back because we got to go to Julian. All right, now we're going to get into the Wick Walk thoughts. We're back in San Diego for these next four segments. And uh, I'm just out walking Wick in the evening and spewing my thoughts into my phone. So I'm going to let these ones just go, and then I'll do a little wrap-up at the end. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Wick Walk thought. The Wick Walk thought. Um, You know... Something that's hit me a couple of times recently has been, um, I keep being, being reminded of that, that uh, phrase or that saying that Albert Einstein used to say, or at least he's attributed to it, said, uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And uh, I've, I've actually taken that some, like, of late... I've realized that I think that applies more to, it, it applies, I think, in more situations than just doing the same thing and hoping to get this, a different result. In fact, I think probably realistically, um, it, it happens, it doesn't really happen in that way at all. Like, you, people don't really, I guess in some in some ways people do the same thing over and over again, hoping that something will change. But I feel like that's more, like it's less practical to think of a way to solve that because that's sort of like a systemic problem where a certain, like an array of different classes of people, class not not in like the social sense, but in like the the grouping categorization, like a lot of blue-collar workers, there's a stereotype that they... Um, you know, go to their jobs day in and day out and they expect things will change, things will get better, but they don't do anything about it, right? But I actually think, um, for me, one thing that I've noticed is uh, it's less about... um, It's less about discovering... um, Oh, geez. 
less about discovering um, the places in your life where you are uh, just trying to do the same thing over and over again and more about noticing when you might be the problem. Because I think it's a little bit more of a subtle thing. Um, realizing that when a problem happens, sometimes the common denominator between the same type of problem happening is you. And I, I think we don't, by default, I don't think that we look for ways to blame ourselves for our problems. But I think more and more, um, I'm noticing that some of the problems that I'm having, um, I'm the common denominator. <laughs> Whereas in, in a previous, you know, era of life or, or um, aspect of life, I probably would have blamed other people. Like, for example, um, tonight I was training and we were hitting pads and the guy that's holding pads for me, granted, he's not very experienced holding pads, but not many people are. I'm not either. And I threw a left kick and he, to make a long story short, his, his, his right elbow was exposed, and, which is not supposed to be, but his right elbow was exposed and I kicked it. So the top of my foot hit his elbow. Needless to say, it was painful. Uh, but I immediately remembered that about two weeks ago, the same exact thing had happened in a different class with a different guy. And I thought to myself, like the first time, I honestly thought it was the dude's fault. I was like, he just doesn't really know how to hold pads. He's a little bit shorter. And I kicked and I was closer to him, I think, than he expected. And so my foot just wrapped around and hit his elbow. <clears throat> but then it happened again tonight. And I thought, okay, so either both of these guys, like which is more likely, both of these guys are so inexperienced that they make the same exact mistake. Or maybe, maybe I'm at fault. Maybe for maybe somehow I'm kicking, like when I'm hitting pads, maybe I'm kicking that left kick wrong. And the, the point of this particular story is not that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Like I'm not trying to point fingers at myself or them. It doesn't matter. But I think the interesting thing is that not too long ago, you know, not five years ago, I, I wouldn't even have that thought. I wouldn't even have the presence of mind to be like, well, you know, maybe it's not them, maybe it's me. <laughs> and I think it's important that um, as often as you can and as often as the chance presents itself, you should be noticing um, areas where you might be... Um, the one at fault. And the, this, the way this ties into that saying is just one of the best ways to notice is if there's a problem that recurs, um, like with you, if it, if it happens more than once, there is a chance, however slight, that it's you. Right? So anytime I have the same problem with another person, like a problem that I've had before, Anytime I recognize that, that I've experienced a particular problem in the past, my immediate thought is, shoot, am I doing something wrong? Like, I used to work for my brother, and working for my brother was great for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, we understood each other. We had kind of a shorthand. We're basically the same person, so it was easy for us to communicate with each other. But at the same time, I'm the little brother. And I'm also, I'm also a little bit impetuous, if I can be honest, 
and so I'm always looking to be to be seen as self-sufficient and not needing anybody else. And so the fact that I was working with him and that he was the boss was always a little bit of an issue. Anyway, I just chalked it up to um, I'm the younger brother and he's never going to be able to see me as anything but the younger brother. And so, like, that's where I'm going to be. And that eventually was why I left because we had a couple of run-ins where it seemed to me that was the only way that, that I would be able to see myself or that he would see me or that I would be seen at the business. And um, a lot of stuff has happened and I, I actually feel somewhat vindicated with some things that have happened since then for having left. Lots of stuff happened, so I'm not pointing fingers at any one person. But um, like I, I think it was a good thing for me. But I look back over the last... So since then, I've worked for uh, two other companies. And... I realized after I left the most recent one that there were some similarities and that it wasn't, I, I went into it and, and when I started having issues, my first thought was to think, oh, the, the people that I'm working for don't understand what it's like and don't understand how to like be in charge. And that may be true. I, I still think that that in, in some way is probably true, um, but also, I'm, I'm not easy to employ uh, because I'm, I, I, don't, I don't do well. Like I'm reali- I've realized this of, of late. I don't do well when somebody else has the reins. Like, I don't like it. It's not just like I, not just like I think I'm smarter than other people because I, I really don't. It's more I don't feel comfortable if I'm not holding the reins. Like if I don't have the freedom to do what comes to mind, do what I have, what instinctually I think is right. And so of late, as I've noticed the pattern of me being upset, I've, I've tried as much as I can to identify really the source, the cause of the frustration. And I think I've realized that more, more often than not, I have a major or minor character flaw um, that keeps me from being able to um, be in that situation and be effective. Uh, so, like, for example, leaving those jobs partially was because um, it wasn't working out. And because it's like breaking up with somebody, like, just not compatible. But then you have to think am I just obstinate or were we not compatible? Right? So, I think the, the thought for the Wick Walk is mainly around don't be afraid. Now, obviously, this, all, all these thoughts come with the caveat that I don't know anything about you. I don't even know if anybody's listening to this. But and I especially don't think that I have the answers for everyone. But for me, one thing that I've noticed is that I am happier when I stop trying to blame others and when I honestly take a look at my own culpability in a particular situation. So, you know, how much of something is my fault versus just blaming somebody else? And ironically, I find that, you know, more often than not, I have a larger amount of responsibility for a particular situation than I was previously willing to give 
the situation credit for. And I would suspect, this is just a theory, but I would suspect it's probably the same for you. So, spend a little bit of time, think about that, and uh, try and find those situations where um, where you're not totally without blame. Because it's probably all of them. Anyway, peace out. Hey, what's up and welcome to the Wednesday morning Wick Walk Thought. Uh, Today I want to talk about work life and life work balance. I had an interesting uh, sort of metaphorical conundrum, if I'm allowed to use that phrase, um, about three months ago. I had, so let me just give you a little bit of the backstory. So I had left a position, a job, um, in March, was it March? Yeah, about March, um, and had gone back to freelancing, to consulting, and, um, I had taken the opportunity, that job had, for all intents and purposes, robbed me of my, my, of my time, my ability to train and go do the stuff that I like doing, like Muay Thai and fighting and stuff. And so I took the opportunity of leaving that job as like a window to just go back full steam into training. And for about five, four or five months after leaving that job, um, I was, I was training a lot. Like I, I fought three, three times in three months, which for a professional Muay Thai fighter, in Thailand, that's like not very much, but for an amateur fighter in in the U.S., that's a lot. I'm really grateful for the opportunity I get to fight that much, because a lot of a lot of fighters don't get to fight, but once every other month at the at the most, sometimes only a couple times a year. And normally their jobs, their their financial situation, doesn't allow them to fight that much because they can't train that much, right? Because training for a fight requires a lot of dedication. Anyway, so I leaving this job, I sort of rebounded away from working back into training. But after the third fight, that and leading up to the third fight, right about the maybe two, three weeks before that that last fight, um, which I won by the way, uh, I started to realize and to feel an imbalance in my life. And this isn't very metaphorical. I started to notice an imbalance in my bank account. <laughs> and that's what, that's what drove me to realize that there was an imbalance. And I like to call it... A lot of, people, a lot of times we talk about work-life balance. But usually that, that refers to working too much and not having enough life. Um, I, I was calling that my life-work balance. Because I needed to tone down the, the personal life and tone up the business. Like I needed to actually take my business seriously if I was going to make any money from it. And so after that last fight, I kind of took a little bit of a break and have swung back the other way into business. And I've, I realized something about myself in this process of of coming back into the business. And that is I, I have a natural tendency. I have a tendency. My natural state is extremely focused. 
Um, I'm like, I'm like pretty hardcore with my intensity. And so when I sink my teeth into something, I don't let go. What I mean by that is whatever is the most important thing to me at a given moment, that's the thing that essentially gets all of my attention. Um, so like when I was fighting, I was barely working, basically working just enough to keep my clients, uh, paying me so that I had enough to kind of make rent, but I wasn't growing, wasn't really, wasn't really doing that much at all. And then when I swung back into working more, I stopped training pretty much completely because I was focused too much on trying to build a business. And the irony is it wasn't actually that the activities I was engaged in were that, uh, that directly correlated with growth of the business or anything else like that. I just, when I get into this mode, I have to go, 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 go on the business. And I get stressed about it. And I get very, um, I feel like I need to put all of my time towards working towards the business. And so I, I get, you know, it's hard for me to break away and go do anything else. And the thing is, I found that it was affecting not just my training, as I put on a, not a ton of weight, but a little bit of weight um, since then, but also my personal relationships because I'm so focused on on working now that everything has to be tied to work. Well, as I've talked about in a couple of other uh, segments on this, this episode, um, I've realized in the last couple of weeks that, that that balance thing goes both ways. And it's not... I always thought that work-life balance was something that you... That like... Like the, the business gurus, which I, I hate that term, but like hippie-style business, like frou-frou, live your passion, live your dreams-style business, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I felt like work-life balance was something that they um, talked about, but they didn't really have any sort of real foundation. So, you talk about work-life balance, and it's kind of like, it's something, it's almost like, it's almost like you say that because you're pandering to an audience of people who want you to tell them to work less. They need an excuse, if that makes sense. And I've never needed an excuse. Um, I always, I like working, you know, I like the, I like being engaged in something. I like seeing things move forward. But what I'm realizing is that one of my core, very, very strong beliefs might not be entirely, um, good. I think that's the right term for it. It might not be, I don't know if it's correct is the right term, but I, one of my core beliefs is always do like the only way to be honest is to always do what you want to do always right well what I'm realizing is that what I want to do in the moment sometimes doesn't match up with what I want overall right so it's like exercising I may not want to run another set of that sprint but overall I want to be in shape for my fight so I do it uh, you know so I, I mean I guess I wasn't even I wasn't even living by my own <laughs> my own rule, um, but I think as far as work and training and stuff went, I have tried to be really specific 
um, about not trying to force myself to do anything, but rather, do I want to go train today? Okay, I'll go train. Do I want to just work today? Okay, I'll just work. Instead of realizing that there's something deeper at work, right? Sometimes you, sometimes for the sake of the long-term goal, you make choices that uh, maybe are against what your what the immediate brain wants, right? So the thing that I realized that's true, but that's just the first level. The thing that I realized that takes it to the next level is the fact that not only is work-life and life-work balance a nice little perk, not only is it something that can make you a little happier and make your, make your life a little bit more fun, but I think, at least for people that are like me, that have that ultra-focus and that sometimes it's hard to turn off work mode, it's necessary. Like... Let me, let me paint it to you in this analogy, and this is the one that comes to mind because it's the easiest one to use. If you go to the gym every day and you uh, burn yourself to complete exhaustion every day on every machine and you run and you basically do everything and you just totally blow yourself out and you get up and do it the next day, how many days in a row do you think you could sustain that? Three, four... Maybe if you're a crazy person and you have a very strong mind, maybe a month, your body can't withstand that much aggravation. And in the same way, uh, your mind can't handle, well, mind can't anyway, can't handle the prolonged, sustained, uh, like abuse, essentially, that I was putting it through. Um, which caused me to burn out. Um, consistently, it caused me to burn out. And trash um, real quick. Burnout, like burnout's a real thing for me. It happens all the time, and I think it's because, like I mentioned before, this trip to Ramona this last weekend forced me. <laughs> Oh, I love it when, just a little side note, I love it when dogs get let off leash when they're not used to it and they just like go crazy. They just love running. We just saw a little dog that got let off leash in this little area. He just took off. He's hilarious. Wick's not like that, but anyway, the point is um, forced disconnection, um, forcing yourself to fit everything that you want to do in one area of your life into a box. Although this might seem a little counterintuitive, it's the best thing for long-term growth, sustain, sustainable growth. So just like with um, working out, a shorter workout that's more intense, less often, is more effective than longer, more more often repeated workouts like you run 10 miles a day you're going to have less cardiovascular and physical improvement than if you run hill sprints two twice a week and I know this 
from personal experience because I used to run six, seven miles a day, and I run that every day. And I had okay results. And then this training for this last fight, I was doing 45, 40, 45 minutes of sprints twice a week, and then just my regular training from before. And I was in insane shape. Um, I think the same thing is true for your mind and for the business mind. Because um, if you try and just go and work all of the hours, I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for putting in the time, putting in the effort, but burnout is a real thing. And so what I've taken to doing the last couple of weeks, which has had, which had a massive effect, is putting work into a box and saying, okay, you want to get all this work done, you need to be a little bit more efficient with your time, okay? Because like I said before, I work, I may work 10 hours a day, but not all of those activities are income generating activities. So maybe four or five hours out of the day, I'm focused on things that are actually going to make me money. And so what I realized is if I just put a box around when work is allowed to happen and just say, look, you get up, you start working at, you know, 7.38. Um, and then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you stop working at 3. Like, get all your work done in those hours. Because you need the decompression that happens afterwards in order to... Um, in order to really improve and to find the connections that you need. It's like I said in the other segment, recovery is more important than training. Right? So, so that's the big thing. Putting everything in a box. Tuesday, Thursday at noon, there's a, there's a class, there's, a, there's some training. So I go, um, I force myself to stop working at 11 in the morning on Tuesdays and then I just come back at 2 and you know what so far I've found that it starts to alleviate some of that that heightened stress I think you can sometimes especially as a business owner as an agency owner you can feel a lot of like constant stress to be doing more because you think that more is what you need when in reality it's not more it's more of the right stuff and so Putting, basically putting boundaries around the work that I do is forcing me to be a little bit more efficient because I can take time out of outside of hours to do all like the fun messing around research stuff that I like to do but um, it just keeps it so that everything's a little bit more focused so so I think the point of this is um, you well I am trying more to force a balance for the sake of all of my goals, even if it's at the expense of feeling like one of my goals is being achieved in the, in the moment. Um, because I know that, number one, I have time, so I'm not in it really in any rush. But also, I know that if I try and go too hard on any one thing, I will burn out. And so I have to balance everything so that I don't burn out on anything because my what I really want is to not be burnt out. That's the real thing. So 
Um, anyway, I extended this walk a little bit so that I could get all that stuff out. <laughs> uh, so anyway, peace out. Okay, I'm just gonna issue a little bit of a warning. Um, I'm in a bit of a weird mood right now. And so this, um, this segment of the, of the episode might be a little depressing. <laughs> so it might be interesting for you. Um, but also just, anyway. Um, today, um, well, I'll put it this way. Have you ever, have you ever felt like everything you've built, you ever like, like, uh, had that, that momentary realization that everything you've got, everything you've built could come crashing down all at once? Like, I've, I've done a pretty good job, I think, of, of, uh, diversifying my portfolio, so to speak. And I know that I'm being a little bit dramatic right now, so just understand that. But, but I'm I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm feeling this emotion. I'm just kind of like exploring it. I think it might be a healthy thing for you to listen to. I don't know. Um, but I, like I said, I've, I've done a fairly good job of diversifying my income portfolio, just like the stuff that I'm doing, and I've constantly got new little projects that I'm working on, which is one of my problems also, but in, in this instance, it's actually a good thing. But every once in a while, today being one of those um, wiles, if you will, I, I have this, this sudden realization that it would just take a couple of things lining up and it all goes away. Um, like my ability to do what I'm doing right now is predominantly based on some relationships that I've formed um, and and I don't really necessarily think that those relationships are at risk um, per se but just interesting how you can spend your time trying to build a particular thing and you have a particular idea of the way things are going to play out. And no matter how much you plan and no matter how many variables you consider, there's always... <laughs> oh, good boy. Yeah, come on, babe. Sorry, Wick just... Decided to say hi to another puppy. There's always that one variable that you didn't consider, or there's always that whole, like, the whole section. Section is the best word I can come up come up with. But there's a whole, um, a whole side of the question that you haven't considered, and. Um, And it just changes the whole paradigm. Changes everything about it, basically. So that instead of... <laughs> saying hi. Come on, bud. He's just saying hi to everybody tonight. So that instead of everything working out the way that you had envisioned, um, 
things don't work out that way. And obviously, this is just classic disappointment 101, right? <laughs> you, you think that things are going to go a certain way, and they don't. Um, but I think, you know, that, that feeling, I think, is more common than we entrepreneurs are willing to admit publicly. Um, I mean, I know, I don't know, once a month, once every other month at least, um, I have this same feeling where I go to bed just with anxiety. And I don't know, you know, I didn't go to the gym tonight, so that could probably play into it a little bit. But I also think that's just the nature, that's the nature of the beast. And it's ironic, considering the other segments of this episode of the podcast have all been focused on the idea that you you have to diversify and you have to um, you know create that space in order for um, you to be able to move forward with what you're doing but at the same time you know, you can you can always end up in a in a place like this where you just you just don't know. You don't really know like if everything could come crashing down at any moment. Um, and you know, it's like I, I like I mentioned in the earlier segment about uh, the idea that having a diverse portfolio makes you more secure. Um, Pulling from that book that I've been reading, Anti-Fragile, about the uh, the twins. One of them's a banker, and one of them's the uh, entrepreneur. And I think this is the this is the this is some would call it the downside. I'm just going to call it the side side. <laughs> the side side of being an entrepreneur, which is just a side effect, is this feeling, where every once in a while you just feel. It's not really worthless because it's not a self-worth thing. It's more helpless. Um, because regardless of the truth, which is there's plenty of business and people like you and you can continue doing what you're doing. Um, what ends up happening a lot of times is you just think, well, this is what happens with me. I just think, Man, I I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know how I'm going to pull it off. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep everybody on this train. And I think, for me anyway, the thing... I mean, I don't actually know. In, in this moment, it's hard to even see those, like, the positive self-talk conversation. You know what I mean? It's hard to even think about that. Because all you're thinking about is, I... I mean, right now, like I'm telling you, right now, this very moment, all I'm thinking about is, have I done enough this month so that the clients that I've acquired will want to continue next month? I mean, in fact, I can, I can list off some of the things I think that are contributing to this. One being, I have one client that each month, so far, I've consistently billed him more than the last month. I mean, Admittedly, I've worked more, so it makes sense. But, and last month I brought on an external resource and started outsourcing some stuff. 
but I don't feel comfortable billing him for the full amount of time that was spent last month because I've seen the result that's come from it so far and it's, I mean, just from the ad spend, it was negative. And so I just, I feel bad billing him for those hours because part of that time was spent uh, that I wouldn't have spent. Like, so there's, there's just a lot of confusion and, you know, I invoiced him today and he wants to meet tomorrow. And so now I'm, I mean, I know he doesn't want to meet about the bill um, and I'd be happy to explain the bill to him and I have plenty of options. It's just, you know, you, you work yourself into a situation and you think, again, my thought was, oh, this will be perfect. I'll bring on an external resource. Um, I'll be able to bill hours that I'm not actually working. So I'll make 75 bucks an hour to do nothing. Well, yeah, that's true in theory. But in practice, what it looks like is the resource you hire isn't as good as you are. And so unless you can train that resource to be as good as you are, or you have an understanding with the client that the resource, like they're prepaying for the resource, like I have one other client where it's actually working out smooth, it's perfect, because he is paying extra and I'm paying the, this resource direct, but out of the money that he's already paid me. So that's probably something I should do in the future. But it all comes back to, like for me, reason. Anyway, I don't need to explain my whole business uh, <laughs> principles and practices. Not because I don't feel like you would appreciate it, but I just want to bore you with it. That doesn't really matter. Because I think, again, the point is, you know, it's the, it's the side effect of being an entrepreneur. You have these moments. I have these moments all the time, like I said, where I just don't feel as secure in, the, in what's going to happen next month. Um, and so this is one of those months, one of those moments. And it's, you know, it's, it's the end of the month. It's getting towards the end of the month. And, uh, you know, we're just rolling into, into that feeling of like, all right, I got to make sure that I can convince all these people to keep doing this next month. And, you know, actually, something that just popped into my head, and now I'm just rambling, but something that just popped into my head is my birthday's on Friday. In fact, Friday being the 24th, which I think is the day that I'm going to release this episode. So today is my birthday. Yay, happy birthday to me. Um, but I, I don't usually think about it. Um, in fact, since I was about 18, I haven't really thought too much about my birthday in advance of my birthday. You know, every couple of years I've wanted to donate my birthday to a nonprofit. A couple of years I've, you know, had some plans, but for the most part, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a birthday person. I don't really make a big deal out of it. Um, if I'm being totally honest, I don't think I've told this to anyone, but I think if I'm being totally honest, it's because I just wish that somebody else would without talking to me about it. Like one of my rules that I've told everyone that I've ever been close to around my birthday, my one rule about my birthday is that I can't, I don't want to be involved in the planning of it at all. Don't ask me what I want to do. Don't ask me what presents to get. Don't get me presents. I don't care. But I don't want to be the one to plan it. 
And I think that comes from, wow, this is going to get really personal here for a second, but I think it comes from the fact that I've never really had anyone, save one time, my 18th birthday, was the only time in my entire life when somebody, without my knowing, without my prompting, without anything, took the effort to put together a celebration, and it wasn't a big deal, and I didn't, I don't care about it being a big deal, it was the, the fact that somebody organized a thing of some magnitude behind my back without me having to be involved at all, and it made me feel like um, I was important. So, there we've unpacked a personal thing that probably <laughs> feeds into this feeling of inadequacy that affects the business side of things and my entrepreneurship. But I only say that to, to bring up the, today's particular feeling of, of, I don't think inadequacy is the right word, but just insecurity, um, I think also comes back to the fact that here we come, we're coming up on birthday time, and still, again, it sounds, I know that anybody who's listening to this if you've gotten to this point in the podcast episode, first of all, congratulations. I'm surprised uh, and impressed. But also, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in... I... I, I don't... I don't want to, like... For me, personally, this is, this is, again, me getting personal here for a second. I, I just... I want to know what you, what another person who is supposed to mean something to me is going to do without me having to tell them what to do. You know what I mean? Like, because the thing, the thing is a variable. The, the, like if you talk, if we talk about gifts, like a birthday gift, the gift is just a variable. It doesn't matter. I don't really, I don't like what I get, if I get anything, matters not at all. What matters is that somebody tried. You know what I mean? And I know that's easy to say, and it's the romantic thing to say, but I, I actually believe that that's the case with me. And, I, and it's just because in the, in the past, the moments, the instances where I've really felt cared for have been when people do stupid things like buy me a pint of ice cream or um, grab me a pizza. You know, not even necessarily good pizza, just... So... <laughs> so... I don't know. That took a little bit of a left turn. <laughs> that wasn't what I was meaning. Maybe that's what I really wanted to talk about. It wasn't the, the entrepreneurship stuff. Maybe I really just wanted to get off my chest that... I don't feel loved. Ah, just kidding. Um, I do feel loved. And I know that I'm just, for the most part, I'm just being needy. But, you know, that's what happens this time of year. I get a little depressed. Although, to be honest with you, 32 is the year that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Not because there's anything specifically great about it. Just 32 is like my favorite number. And I always envisioned that 32 would be a, a big year. So I think this will be the start of a really good year and, and potentially the start of a new phase, a new chapter in my life, which 
I'm all about new stuff, so that'll be fun. Anyway, uh, I'm going to call this quits before I start blabbing into other personal parts of my life that I don't really want to talk about. Peace. Yay! What is up? As we embark on the nightly wick walk, <laughs> I am reminded that tomorrow begins my 32nd year as a living, breathing human entity, aka tomorrow's my birthday. And I had an interesting, I had a conversation today that I think there's, a, there's an interesting, there's a cool parallel with birthday. Um, talking to a client and we're talking about, um, they ran a promotion and they hadn't run any promotions before. So this is their very first promotion and they didn't get any really sales or revenue from it, but they did manage to get kind of a baseline uh, understanding of how that type of thing would perform in the future. And so their higher-ups in their organization saw it as a failure, and, they, and I, I told them it's not a failure, it's actually a total success. Because in business, and I think in life, when you, well, <laughs> far be it from me to know and to say anything like I know what's going on in life, but I look at the first 31, 32 years save maybe eight hours of my life and I don't regret anything. I have zero regrets about anything that I've ever done um, because everything, every decision that I've made, every, every pain point that I've had to go through, every experience that I've experienced has led me to where I am today and I could not be happier with where I am today. If I had designed it myself, um, and I, part of that I think you might say that I did kind of design it myself, but, um, you know, experiences that some people would call negative, and I, even in the moment I would call them, I would have called them negative. Uh, it's just the cost of entry for the rest of your life. And I, that's how I feel about it. Everything that's happened in the past has just been the cost of entry for the rest of what's coming and I'm not gonna lie I feel like life starts tomorrow I feel like I feel like everything up to this point has just been the the pregame show and tomorrow is where it really starts obviously I could say that on any night <laughs> but I feel like tomorrow is something about a 32 I like that number and um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and I think, like I said to my client today, they're actually not really clients. They're I'm more like a, a mentor. Um, and they have their own client. Yeah, how do you feel about mentors? Apparently not so good. Um, but just like I told them, it's not negative. Everything that happens is positive because it gives us a barometer 
to judge what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, last night I did a, I think it was last night, I spoke about how I felt a little bit depressed, a little bit sad or whatever. I was in kind of a weird mood. The night I feel different. Um, it might be because some things have gone a little bit better today than I thought they were going to. <laughs> but I think mostly it's because I have this feeling of uh, impending greatness. Um, and I don't mean I'm going to become great tomorrow, but rather... Everybody loves Wick. Hi. Um, impending greatness. And I think, really, that just has to do with me. Um, I really do feel like tomorrow is the start of a new era. It's the start of a new section of my life. And I don't know how much of what has been will continue to be true for me. Like, I don't know how much of the things that I've, the t stuff I put my time into and the, the way that I've been and the decisions that I've made will continue to be sort of like my default. Um, but I do know that it's only up from here. And uh, I feel like a kid again. I didn't ever think I would feel like that when I turned 32, but I feel like it's going to be pretty awesome. So anyway, um, when you hear this, it will be tomorrow, and I probably will have recorded some intros to all the various segments, but welcome to a new era, y'all. For you, it's just another Friday, but for me... It's the beginning of a new phase, of a new chapter, a new era in my life. And I'm excited about it. That's all I have to say about that. Peace. <clears throat> well, I hope you enjoyed all of that. We're just outside... Brockton Villa here in La Jolla, San Diego, California. Just finished up the only real breakfast you can possibly have on your birthday. Coast toast. Took about two minutes. Took about two minutes. We inhaled it. It's amazing. Wait for a reservation. Made up for it by eating extra fast. Yes. Made up for being late by eating extra fast. Anyway, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my birthday. So, bye. <laughs>